Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another week. Uh, I have to ask you, bud, how are you feeling, man? I know that uh, you had surgery uh, last week. Yeah, I had a couple of wisdom teeth pulled out, and um, so I was a little bit uh, out of sorts, I guess, for about a week. Um, we pre-recorded our Monday episode the week before just to be get ahead of it, so um, that we didn't actually, we haven't actually done uh, a podcast together in what about a week and a half now two weeks yeah yeah we wanted to give you time to recover which also uh i guess explains why i was posting all those songs about you know like pulling teeth and anesthesia and stuff like that i thought it was uh poetic and would give you a little bit of a smile as you were recovering yes as much as i was able to smile i i did smile <laughs> yeah that's we, we tried we tried um and before we get to uh the album of the week which is zero hours the tower of avarice uh, I, I just wanted to talk about a couple of things that came out this week, which I thought were really, really, uh, really interesting stuff. And I know you have one as well. Uh, the first thing, I don't know if you had a chance to hear it, the new Amorphous single, Brothers and Sisters. Uh, I, I, I think that Amorphous is actually a perfect band that we should do in the not-so-distant future just because um, – they are like the model of consistency where every album they've done for like the last eight or 10 albums has been fantastic, albeit in the same style, but they just, they follow a formula and they, uh, when if it's not broken, don't fix it. You know what I'm saying? Without a doubt. I actually did not even realize that they had a new single. I'm going to go grab it right now, but, uh, that's, I agree with you that, um, their last, I don't know, five, six, seven albums have all been really, really, really good. Um, yeah, I, I, I always enjoy their their stuff. It didn't really have much, uh, I guess, buzz behind the single, if you will. But I just happened to notice it on Spotify, and it was uh, it was really enjoyable, as as can be expected, of course. And uh, another album that I think just bears mentioning and, and even repeating, um, the new Sewn album, Imperial. Uh, it's an album of the year contender. It is that good. And even though it's January, I have no problem saying I would be shocked if it wasn't in my top five or at the very least top 10 for the year. I think I've played it three times in the last couple of days already, and it's just getting better and better with each listen. Uh, so if you haven't heard that, highly recommended. And, and I think a band that's on the precipice of absolutely blowing up just because uh, there, there's kind of a groundswell movement of fans that are just... Uh, really getting into this and I, and I see other people that maybe hadn't heard of them that are kind of, you know, interested in them because of the tool vibe that they've got going on and stuff like that. So uh, definitely check that one out if you haven't already. Yep. That's definitely on my list. I, I really didn't get a chance in the last uh, week and a half or so to get to listen to much just as I was recovering from the surgery. Um, but, you know, I was aware that so and in labyrinth and um, Therion and wet um and uh, Human Fortress all had new releases. The only thing I really got a chance to listen to, though, was um, the Phantom Elite second album, Titanium, which came out a couple of Fridays ago, and I really enjoyed it. I'm definitely looking forward to giving that another uh, couple of listens. But um, the the vocals of uh, Marina Lataraka, who um, I actually learned from the Exit Eden project that she did with Amanda Somerville and Clementine, uh, Delancey and um, there was a fourth uh, woman as well who's on that. I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but uh, her vocals are really awesome. I think she might be the next big, uh, the next big, um, you know, female metal vocalist out there. But uh, I really enjoyed that. 
Yeah, I, I hadn't heard of her prior to the Exit Eden release either, but this was a really good album. I, I enjoyed it as well. Um, kind of like a more modern feel than it does, I guess, a symphonic metal feel, but she's really, really good, and her music lend, her, her vocals lend to the music exceptionally well, at least in my opinion. So uh, definitely check that out. We can post something during the week for, for those of you who haven't heard Phantom Elite. And uh, I guess with that, let's let's get into why we're here. The Towers of Avarice. Now, probably not an album I would have selected uh, on my own. Not because I don't have some interesting stories surrounding Zero Hour and, and this album, but it's just kind of like a forgotten classic from now 20 years ago. They're celebrating their 20th anniversary of this release. And, and as I said, this was a, uh, a, a, a request uh, from one of our listeners. Milton, if you're out there, thanks for the recommendation and uh, we're happy to do it for you. So with, uh, without further ado, The Towers of Avarice, when did you first hear about this album and Zero Hour? Uh, when Milton asked us if we would review it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, obviously, you remember remember seeing the band live, but I guess you'd never heard the album before this week? No, um, I actually went into my music library and I had nothing by Zero Hour other than two live tracks that they played at Prog Power 7 um, from one of the uh, audio releases that the festival put out. Um, so I was not even a little bit familiar with this album and the two tracks were not from the towers of avarice. So, um, I jumped on to iTunes and, and purchased it. Uh, so that was my first, uh, my first real taste of the band, to be honest with you. Nice. Uh, you know, it's just to set the stage a little bit. Zero hour is an American band. They're from California. Uh, they came, uh, you know, I guess they were first active in around 1993, but their first official, uh, independent release was a self-titled album in 1999. Uh, the Towers of Avarice came out two years later, and I guess many people would probably kind of consider it their magnum opus, uh, although they've released four albums since then. Uh, Metamorphosis in 2003, which is really just kind of a repackaging of that independent release I just spoke about. Uh, Fragile Mind in 2005. Uh, Specks of Pictures Burnt Beyond in 2006 and Dark Deceiver in 2008. And I should note that they've actually had a couple of lineup changes, mostly uh, on vocals, since uh, The Towers came out in 2001. We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, but they've been somewhat dormant, if you will, for the last 13 years, although we'll we'll get to the, the current status of the band, I'm sure, towards the end of this episode. Um, do you have any recollection of seeing them live? And I, and I say that because when we went to Prague Power in 2002... Uh, the Zero Hour actually opened one of the nights of that show, but I, you know I, I think it's fair to say that that was not the reason that we went to the festival for the first time. No, that would be the that would be an understatement. Um, <laughs> yeah. They, along with Reading Zero, um, who were the other uh, openers from that weekend, uh, those were the two bands that I had never heard of before going into that festival. If I did see them perform. I have zero, no pun intended, recollection of it um, <laughs> for either band, to be honest with you, because you have to understand that the rest of the lineup included the likes of Threshold, Ed Guy, Devin Townsend, Pain of Salvation, Blind Guardian, Angra, and Gamma Ray, and Silent Force, I believe was the the rest of the lineup, which is ridiculous. And in, in, in 2002 was 
was even more ridiculous than it sounds now because most of those bands had, if not all of them, had never played a show in the U.S. up until that point. So, you know, Zero Hour was one of the only American bands that played that, I guess, just to kind of set the table for the... the I, I want to say they opened up the first night. I'm not 100% sure, but um, I guess they were kind of chosen to, to kind of set the stage for, for the uh, the weekend's events. Yeah, it, it was... Uh... It was, it, I think you, you set the stage exceptionally well. We were, what, 20 years old or just, just turned 21 when this uh, festival took yeah, place. Yeah, because I, I remember I wasn't even able to buy a drink at the venue. Yeah, that's right. We, we, we were 20 years old uh, back in, you know, in, in November of 2002. And what really, I think, drew us all there, even though we were all at colleges all around the country, was the fact that this lineup, or I should say all the other bands on the lineup, was just, it was incredible that they were all playing at one location over one weekend in the United States. Pain of Salvation had played, uh, you know, the festival or that festival in the past, but none of the other bands had ever played the United States to the best of my knowledge. And tacked on to these other um, stalwarts, if you will, was Reading Zero and Zero Hour. And I remember hearing one or two Zero Hour songs off of this album, which I wound up buying at the festival. But I had never... Uh, given it its due, I guess, just because I was so consumed with other bands and other things at the time. Um, you know, th- this, this period was a little bit of a transition, I think, because prior to 2001, 2002, there were not that many bands in like the progressive power metal genre. And I, I feel like things really exploded around this time where just bands were just coming out of the woodwork left and right. And it was almost hard to keep up because you were, you, you kept going back to the stuff that you knew and you loved, you know, from the late nineties. That was definitely me to a T at that point in time. I mean, I, I believe if memory serves that they were posting uh, tracks on the website, uh, the Prog Power website, like a track from each band. And I want to say I made you know, a mix CD of all the bands that were playing that year. So I probably have a CD somewhere where there's a zero hour song on it. And chances are it was off of this album. Um, But yeah, that was, chances are I probably heard it, you know, thought it was fine, but you know, there were bigger fish to fry, so to speak at the time. So it wasn't really a major, you know, uh, something that I really wanted to focus on at that point in time. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And just to uh, kind of get into detail with the band, they had played the first Prog Power back in Chicago just about a year and a half prior. You and I didn't attend. Uh, I really don't have much information about that other than the fact that they played. And I guess they had gone over so well that they were invited back to play a year and a half later in Atlanta. And they were coming off of this release, The Towers of Avarice. It was released on March 6th. 2001 on Ken Golden's Sensory Records label. Uh, shout out to Ken if you're listening. You know, this this album or, or that label had a number of interesting releases around this time, and not least of which was, was this album. Um, but this one was, was very different from the progressive metal that was coming out in and around that time. The album is about, what, 45 minutes in length, uh, you know, give or take a couple of seconds here or there. Only six tracks, but... So, so you know you're in for some longer tracks on this album, but this is not, uh, you know, your 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 classic Dream Theater, Queensrÿche, Fates Warning, progressive metal. This is something very, very different. Well, that was kind of the the very first takeaway for me was that um, 
it was to me like uh, I'm not going to say this is not my favorite type of prog metal music because it's to me it's kind of more of a uh, like an instrumental showcase of like look at us we're good at our instruments uh, and it, it it lacks the melodic elements of, of bands that you just mentioned um it's a little more uh kind of like just straight to the point like it's just yeah i mean that was the, my biggest takeaway honestly is that like the lack of melody it's just not a melodic it's more of your your like real technical prog metal type style um you know everybody's like i i found that the the drum work and the bass work were particularly strong on this album um the vocals were were good the, i mean everything was really good musically um I, I just found it to be a little bit boring honestly yeah and, and coming from your you know your your taste where you're like kind of like a power metal uh, aficionado I, I can absolutely understand that because this is about as far away from that as you can possibly get um they, they you know it's it's interesting as i said i had mentioned a number of bands before there's a whole almost subgenre of prog metal which sounds nothing like those forefathers uh, i'll just name a couple of bands that come to mind bands like spiral architect spastic inc Gordian Knot, Cynic, Canvas Solaris, those bands, which, you know, they are some of the most talented musicians out there. And, but the way that the songs are composed, they're kind of a little bit all over the place, at least for someone with my uh, inexperienced ears and someone that's not a musician. And so while I think I appreciate the, the grandiosity and the, and the just, uh, the virtuosity of, of the musicianship, the songs themselves get a little bit lost in one another with bands like that only because they're just all over the place. And you go from hearing nothing but a bass line to all of a sudden hearing this like bombastic sound with like drums and guitars with the vocals on top. And then it goes right back to something that could be just like a the tapping of a cymbal. And it's just all over the place. And I think that that's part of the charm of the album but it's not something that i would say is easily accessible by any means yeah i listened to it today for the fourth time this week and and for the first time with headphones and i think i appreciated it a little bit more where it was like going right into my ears um and i was able to kind of concentrate on it a bit more and and the musicianship is excellent and the music and the music itself is really well done but um you know, if you're looking for something that that's going to be like super catchy and memorable, like that's not for me. It's not really what this is. Um, I I thought the second half of the album was a lot stronger. Like I, I feel like um, the last three tracks, including the um, the 15 minute track number five, uh, demise and vestige, um, I felt like it, it picked up a little bit for me, um, but. You know, I, I I don't know, like it it just I knew I wasn't I was gonna be a little tongue tied with this because to me like I'm the same as you, like I'm not a musician, so to me it's just kind of it, it can be a little meandering at times and um you know, it doesn't really sometimes I just feel like I'm ready to like, all right, get to the point or or like play me a melody or something. Um, you know, it's it's really just kind of like when you talk about a band like Dream Theater where you're dealing with really high end musicianship, but also they are putting together these melodies that are super memorable and catchy. Like 
that's not what's happening here. Like this is more of the mu- musicianship side of prog metal, um, and not Art so much. Light. Yeah, and not so much the the you know musically uh, you know melody telling a story that way. Um, it's just a little bit more like you know, like I said before, kind of just straight to the point. Like we're just this is just here's the music and we're laying it down. And I liked certain like. For instance, the the opening of, of the third track, Stratagem, I like that how it opens up with that bass line. There's certain parts and certain songs where you just hear the bass work, which I think is really good. Um, I really, actually, I'm just going to get right into it and tell you that, like, my choice, my favorite track on this was Reflections. It was the kind of the, the more mellow, ba- I don't know if I call it a ballad, but it was a more mellow track. It probably was the song that had the most melody to me of all the, the tracks. And I thought it was just, it was the shortest track. And um, maybe that says something like maybe where they, if they can just condense what they were trying to do into a shorter song, it would have been more um, palatable for, for somebody with my style, you know, with my uh, taste in, in metal. That was my favorite, but I also, oddly enough, really enjoyed the 15-minute track as well. Um, I felt like a lot was going on there, and um, so, I don't know, kind of like an odd dichotomy with those two tracks there, but uh, I I really enjoyed both of those. Um, But, like, you know, for the most part, you know, it's just kind of there for me, the rest of the album. It's funny you mentioned the the second half of the album, because... I completely agree that there's really two, almost two albums in one. The first three tracks are, uh, you know, again, musicianship on full display for the entire track for all three of them. And then the second half is a little bit more um, focused, if you will, especially a song like Reflections. But even, even Demise and Vestige, as long as it is, there was a little bit more focus there. But the irony is that my favorite tracks are in the front half of the album. Uh, Stratagem, I actually think is probably the strongest track on the album. Although I do love the, the, uh, the, the, the title track that, that kind of kicks you off almost eight minutes in length. The, the end of that track in particular really just comes to a head with, 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 with the vocals on top of the music that leads you into, into the second track. That was one of the highlights for me. But I agree, you know, like that, the beginning of the bass, uh, the bass in, in Stratagem, uh, Troy Tipton's work is fantastic. And, and he's one of the founders of the band with his brother, Jason, who's on guitar. Um, you know, just to, for, by way of history, Troy Tipton had some sort of an issue with his arm, uh, somewhere after the 2008 release so that he actually had to kind of stop playing for a while. And that's what led to the breakup of the band. He no longer plays with them. Uh, I don't think he does much uh, at this point. I know that he's done other work with, with, with his brother uh, playing in uh, an instrumental band called abnormal thought patterns. They have a a pair of releases uh, from 2013 and 2015, similar music, just all instrumental. And then they also were together. Um, 
in a band called Synthesis, which is kind of similar to Zero Hour, maybe a little bit more thrashy in certain places, also on Sensory Records. Uh, and they themselves have a, a pair of releases from 2011 and 2013. Uh, just personally, the, the, the first Synthesis release called De-Evolution back in 2011, like I mentioned, a really strong effort and also worth checking out if, if you've never heard them. But, uh, you know, they, the, the band kind of came to a close when, when Jason got hurt and it was, sorry, when, when Troy got hurt and he was, you know, not really playing for a couple of years. And that was kind of the end of the band. Um, the singer on, on this particular album, uh, was, was a guy by the name of Eric Rosfold. And he is actually, uh, an, an interesting choice of, of vocalist because he hadn't really done much, or at least I had never heard of him, but he is on the, the aforementioned synthesis album that I had mentioned or both of them really. Uh, and he's got a kind of a unique vocal style. Um, I, I don't know if you heard this at all, but when he goes high and kind of screams a little bit, I actually heard a little bit of like Warl Dane from Nevermore with his vocals. Yeah, I could definitely see that for sure. Yeah. He's, he's, he's kind of got an interesting, uh, an interesting uh, voice that, that, fits the music quite well. And I, and I was particularly impressed, as I said, by the first three tracks where his vocals just kind of shine. I, I didn't gather that as much on the last three, but I'm, I'm glad you liked it because I can certainly understand with the, with the more focused direction of those songs, I had a feeling that would, that would certainly appeal to you. Um, my track of the week, my track of the week is Stratagem. And I only say that because that was the first song I ever heard. And it's still, I think, one of them, if not the strongest track on the entire album. Uh, and just because you know you're in for something a little bit different once, once that bass line kicks in to start the track. You know, the overall, the, this kind of rem, like took me back to the '90s when we would hear from you know like a, a friend recommending like a prog metal album, and it'd be you know the production wouldn't be quite up to snuff as far as like compared to like a Dream Theater or a Fate's Warning, and the music wouldn't be totally engrossing off the first listen or or super melodic and. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's kind of what it reminded me of. Um, just like hearing a band that um, you would think to yourself, like, uh, you know, it's good, um, not super memorable, maybe a little unspectacular, but, you know, you could appreciate what it is they're bringing to the table musically. But um, I, I don't know why. It just kind of reminded me of, like, the, the late 90s of being, like, you know, having somebody like our friend Pat just be like, you got to listen to this. And then, you know, like it just kind of gets lost underneath the 19 other recommendations that he made in that, that minute and a half conversation. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it's interesting. If you go back and you listen to a band like DGM, who, who is now just churning out like blockbuster after blockbuster release with just great production and great sound. If you listen to like those early, early DGM albums, they're, they sounded like they were recorded in a tin can. They just don't sound good. The, the 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 melody isn't there that you have in some of those later releases, like the last you know three or four albums that they've done. It reminds me of some of those bands that were just just breaking onto the scene, low budget, 
uh, the technology just wasn't there. I don't think they were using Pro Tools at the time. And and they just, uh, you know, they just laid down the tracks and said, you know, here, have at it. And, and you know, some caught on and became, you know, went on to bigger and better things. And others kind of faded away into the uh, into obscurity. But I, I can certainly understand that. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because just from a talent standpoint, these guys are the most talented guys around in terms of just their virtuosity. Uh, I had the pleasure of meeting Jason and having a nice conversation with him at Prague Power 7 uh, back in 2006. And he had released a solo album uh, the year prior. And you say to yourself, well, wh- you know, what, what is that going to sound like when you have this like virtuosic guitar player? Who, who obviously lays down some some crazy riffs and, and stuff like that on a zero hour release. He, he comes out with this album in 2005 called Seduction. And it's probably one of my favorite instrumental releases ever. Here we are 16 years later. Uh, it's, you know, I have it classified on my computer as almost like easy listening because it's one of those albums that you put on in the background and it's almost jazz like in the sense that it's just all, it's, it's a little bit all over the place, but somehow it works, even though it's a, you know, his solo album. Uh, I am, I'd be surprised if anyone listening has heard it, but I strongly recommend you checking it out because it's fantastic. And it's one of those albums that got laid down. Nobody ever heard it, and it's like a hidden gem that's just out there and something that's really, really interesting stuff. Um, again, I think it speaks to the musicianship and the musicality that's here. Uh, you know, I, I think that if you are, are a musician, uh, bass player, drummer, guitarist, and you haven't heard The Towers of Avarice, do yourself a favor and go and check it out because you are going to fall in love with the album. I really enjoyed it and it actually made me want to go back and listen to some of the zero hour, zero hour albums that I hadn't heard in some time, but I can't say it's, it's not my favorite album of all time, but I, I, I would love to see it again live because I think I actually have a deeper appreciation for it now than I did 20 years ago. Yeah. I, f- I was thinking too, when I was listening to this, that it might be something I, I would enjoy more in a live setting than listening to a studio album. I think that it might sonically just sound better and i don't know this kind of stuff to me always is more enjoyable uh in person than just kind of listening to at home and and that's just me personally yeah i i can i can definitely appreciate that i i have memories of watching them not so much at at the third prog power but at seven and i just remember thinking to myself how how awesome it was you know at at the time back in 2007 they had or 2006 they had a singer by the name of chris salinas doing lead vocals chris salinas was the singer for a band called power of omens which was one of those prog metal bands from the late 90s that you mentioned which uh came out with a couple of albums you know kind of under the radar most people hadn't heard of them but my god i used to love love, love that band. So when I found out that he had been singing for Zero Hour, I was exceptionally excited to go check out their set. Uh, they had come out with an album back in 1998 called Eyes of the Oracle. And I have not probably listened to this album in over a decade, uh, but it is a fantastic under the radar prog metal gem from the from the late 90s. So I'd be remiss if I didn't at least mention uh, his, his time with the band. But also, uh, I, I think it bears noting the band has actually gotten back together after now about a 13 year hiatus. And the, the, the band actually has Eric Rosfold back on vocals, uh, Jason Tipton on guitar and two other members who are, uh, definitely, definitely, uh, have more notoriety than, than, uh, you'd think, uh, they have, uh, the drummer 
from Powerwolf, who still plays with Powerwolf, doing the drums on the new release. And Andreas Brumkist from Seventh Wonder, who's playing bass and doing all of uh, Troy's bass lines. Uh, I, I cannot wait to hear what that or what the new lineup sounds like with this kind of like an all-star cast of characters. That's yeah, that's super interesting. I, I would definitely uh, be interested to hear that as well. Yeah, it's um, they 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 kind of uh, uh, as far as I know they they agreed to to start playing together in in 2020 last year. Haven't heard any of the new stuff, but I look forward to hearing it because I have a feeling that uh, you know, like I said, for many the towers is considered their you know their kind of their magnum opus, and I'm hoping I get to hear the whole thing live at some point, just because it would be uh, I think it would be fitting, especially with the with the new guys in the band, and they could probably play this and a couple of other tracks and and, and have a nice you know hour long set. For sure, yeah, that's uh, that's cool. That's cool to hear that a band from back then has gotten back together with some you know, well-known musicians and, and, you know, you'd have to expect that there'd be a a significant, you know, jump in production value at this point in time. So, um, you know, that'd be interesting to hear. Yeah, it should be, uh, I'm sure we'll be hearing more in the coming weeks. Let me ask you this, a scale of one to 10, what are you rating this? I know it's not necessarily your cup of tea, but I'm I'm curious to see where you go with it. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. it. It, it wasn't my favorite thing. In the world, um, I, like I said, I think the second half definitely picked up the slack for me. Um, I kind of, I just have it at like a solid six point five. Yeah, and listen, you can't, 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 can't. Uh, not, not everything is going to be your cup of tea. I, I'll say this: I, I actually enjoyed it more than I thought I was, just because it had been so long. But I find myself kind of drifting away from the stuff that I used to love twenty years ago. So it's not terribly surprising, and to me, it's a solid, solid eight. Uh, I, I, I don't know that their other albums are as enjoyable to me as this one is, but I look forward to hearing the new stuff because I have a feeling that the best may even be yet to come. We shall see. We uh, Let me ask you this question. Uh, when, when, when Milton had uh, suggested that we cover this album a couple of weeks ago, and obviously we, 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 we were very happy to, 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 you know, to dive in deep, uh, we we kind of hijacked your selection for 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 the next album, so I'm going to pitch it back to you. Uh, what are we doing next week uh, as we put a bow on uh, the Towers of Avarice? Well, the timing was good because I didn't really have anything off, off the top of my head, and I wasn't really ready to pick something. So uh, the timing was good, um, and I would maybe suggest going forward that um, maybe we try to do something like this maybe around like once a month. Does that sound like a reasonable uh, thing to have like a, a you know, a, a request review, I guess, or a- yeah, I think that we'll, we'll sprinkle them in maybe once a month as we, as, as they compiling in, that was the first of uh, quite a few that we've had. Uh, but I think that it's, it's nice because, you know, like I said, I don't know that you and I are going to necessarily love everything and just basically, you know, shill, shill albums. So I think it's, it's good to have an honest discussion about these things. And, and certainly there's things that I like more than you and vice versa, but I, you know, I love it. So obviously keep the requests coming first and foremost. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, let's try to sprinkle it in once a month just to, you know, shake things up a little bit and really have us dig into something that we might otherwise not have listened to because I haven't listened to this album in a long time, but I'm, I'm really happy that I did. And it's actually going to make me go back and listen to some of the other zero hour stuff and even the synthesis stuff that I just haven't heard in a while. Yeah. I, I like that part of it as well. Um, because I mean, 
I find that you're always challenging me to to listen to things outside of my comfort zone, and I think that um, it's nice to have other people also do that as well. Um, like I can't imagine that we would have talked about this album otherwise, if I'm being honest. So um, I would definitely, yeah, I recommend um, the listeners if they have anything they want to hear to to just uh, you know contact us on one of the socials and let us know what you might want to hear us talk about. I actually did get um, a recommendation from our our mutual friend Mike. Um, I'm not going to say it right off the bat. I'll wait until. We're ready to um, actually review it. I want to maybe get back to, to some of our picks for a couple of weeks, and then maybe we could revisit um, what Mike had to say. But uh, I um, I did come across, uh, and God bless Instagram, because um, the bands, when they post uh, certain things, it kind of jogs my memory as far as uh, maybe albums that I hadn't thought about in a while, um, especially when they're celebrating an anniversary and I happened to come across an album that is going to be celebrating again, a 20th anniversary in 2021. And that would be Avantasia's the metal opera. Um, I have very fond memories of the, um, the announcement of this project and the subsequent release and the, me listening to it a million times. Um, I think this is going to, open up a lot of uh interesting stories and discussions and uh so that that was my uh that was my choice for our next uh our next discussion i uh i love it and and i i won't uh first of all i love listening to avantasia they're one of my favorites second of all uh i have even off the top of the old head i I have quite a bit of uh stories to share about this one uh i knew that the 20th anniversary was coming up and i had a feeling we would discuss it at some point but uh no better time than the present uh and i look forward to listening to that throughout the week although i could probably sing the entire album for you i won't but i could probably sing the entire thing for you so it's 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 gonna be uh it's gonna be a a nice uh you know time warp to go back and listen to this again with 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 fresh eyes just because it has been some time for this one uh not as long as zero hour but uh sometime nonetheless so um Good choice. I look forward to it, and uh, you know we'll get to uh, we'll get to some other requests. Uh, you know, as we as we get deeper into the year, and uh, you know, if we want to do it once a month, I I, I like that. So uh, I think that's a great idea. Keep the requests coming. Keep the uh, interaction with us coming. We 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 enjoy it, and it keeps us uh, keeps us motivated to keep going. And we look forward to uh, bringing you Avantasia's Metal Opera Part One next week. Yeah. Before we uh, before we sign off, um, I did mention at some point that if uh, you were going to be kind enough to leave us a review, that we would uh, read it uh, in, an, in an, a forthcoming episode. And, and we actually have uh, one five star review that we got on uh, on iTunes that I was going to read, and this one comes from uh, Gamer five seven seven four four five six seven seven. <laughs> um, I have a hunch who this is, but I'm not, I don't know for sure, but I have a hunch. But anyway, uh, he or she says, uh, these two guys know their stuff. Their vast knowledge and excitement surrounding the metal community is pretty amazing. They know what they're talking about and get right into the meat and potatoes of the songs and albums they talk about. The excitement and enthusiasm they show really stand out for the, uh, the songs they review. A really fun listen to anyone who loves metal or rock music. Keep up the great work, guys. So thanks, Gamer, uh, for the kind words. And, um, you know, if you enjoy the show, like, 
you know, reviews and, and ratings they are super helpful. So we appreciate any, any uh, feedback that you care to, to leave us. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for the kind words. And uh, just so you all understand how it works, the more positive or quite frankly, the more reviews that we get, it really just helps other people in the algorithm find us, which is obviously uh, much appreciated because we uh, we do it for everyone. So um, thank you, Gamer. And thank you to everyone else who uh, has or has or will be leaving a review. We appreciate it. And uh, like I said, with that, I think that puts a bow on zero hour. I can start listening to Aventasia and I hope everyone has a great week. Same here. Take care, everybody. Take it easy. Here, but where?